Welcome to the History of the Civil War. I'm your host today, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we explore one of the world's great conflagrations. This series will be investigating the history of the American Civil War, one of the largest and most destructive conflicts in world history, and probably the bloodiest in the Americas, at least in terms of direct battlefield casualties. We'll cover the armies, the men and women involved in them, the politics, the battles, and much more. But before we move on, we have a few bits to explain and clarify. Even after a century and a half, the Civil War is still sometimes a touchy subject. I will deal forthrightly and frankly with the attitudes and actions that took place. That said, I also want everyone to feel as comfortable as possible and be able to listen to this in public or at work, so I will not use any quotes containing foul language. One of the nice aspects of this era is that people wrote and wrote and wrote some more, so we have many quotations and speakers to choose from. With that out of the way, let's get started. You may be curious as to what my qualifications are. Here is a complete list. Well, now that we've got that out of the way, we can begin. Okay, no, I won't quite leave it there. Yes, I did study history in college. Yes, I have read a lot of books about the Civil War, but no, I don't claim any especial professional expertise, knowledge, or skill in the area of the Civil War that you couldn't get just by studying it on your own. I'm only some guy who finds this subject endlessly fascinating and have ever since I was a boy. But that does bring us to a major issue here. The question that comes to mind is a simple one. Why study the Civil War at all? I mean, sure, it happened, and there are all kinds of histories written about it, but what really is the point of looking at it? There are many answers to that, and if nothing else, looking at the Civil War gives us one of the most interesting and exciting stories in American history. If a novelist had decided to invent the saga, it would be considered a very uneven and even improbable work, mixing adventure, war, romance, misery, fear, courage, barbarism, and a whole host of other emotions and reactions. It's simply more than the mind of one man could ever deliberately set out to create. It took the actions and lives of thousands and millions to create that story. This is exactly why it is so important. The Civil War stands at the crossroads of the Old World, what scholars call the early modern period and the dawning modern world that we live in. The true history of the conflict is written in the blood and lives of the people who lived it, who experienced this radical change from the world of towns and agricultures to city and industry, from a world mastered by nature to one mastered by human ingenuity, and by the kindly whim of fortune at the time, diaries were extremely commonplace, and we have a whole host of letters and an incredible wealth of documentation that continues to be explored today. We are not merely exploring dry exposition, but the breathless hopes and fears of the men and women who lived out this time in their own words. The second reason, for me anyway, is to dispel some of the myths and inaccuracies around the Civil War. Perhaps most of all, people often feel that the war came as a sudden disruption to a stable or even stagnant society. This is emphatically wrong, as I have implied. The antebellum era, North and South, embraced and endured incredible change, and most of the countryside that the war burned over had barely been settled for a generation. People living through it couldn't entirely make heads or tails of the experience. Before the Civil War, it was obvious that society was constantly changing, had already changed, but no one could quite put a finger on exactly what to name the new elements 
that were even then birthing the modern world. The very concepts with which men define themselves were in flux as the world appeared to shift before their eyes like a flickering flame. Now, as we explore this landscape, we will have to talk about slavery. It's not an issue that we can avoid when talking about the war that began in it and ended the practice here in the United States. And I am not here to try and justify slavery. I have no desire to do so. At the same time, we do need to discuss it, how the practice helped cause the war, and why it caused such a rift in society. There are many excuses for slavery, which I don't intend to offer. What I do intend is to look at what slavery meant in America, what it was doing in America, and what it was doing to a dawning modern era on the cusp of radical change. As part of that dawn of modernity, ever more aspects of American society needed to renew themselves, but we lacked a central human figure to promulgate a coherent new worldview. We needed a prophet who could add a, add a new twist around the existing American paradigm. Instead, tensions built and built until they effectively exploded, and they took the existing political system down with it. The nation could only be reformed on the graves of hundreds of thousands and an unrecognized revolution. The upside, however, is that the final result was far more stable and even stronger than ever before. Even though it took another century or more to see the gains of the civil rights movement, the post-Civil War nation was able to eventually take that step only because the central national conflict of the 19th century created the conditions for that renewal. Another reason, and this is you know, purely a personal interest of mine, is that many looked at the Civil War to inform us about how World War I was fought. Perhaps far more prescient is that the Civil War parallels how World War I came about. Many of the same tensions, the same reaction to technological changes in communications, the same sense of fear and uncertainty, and the same wildly emotional nationalistic excess that scourged Europe do seem eerily familiar to the student of the Civil War. Even the results were in their own way disturbingly similar, accounting for differences in circumstances we will see. The overall similarity between the Civil War and World War I parallels how the American Revolution was later imitated, to a much more devastating and unrestrained degree, by the French Revolution. History may not repeat, but it surely stutters sometimes. There is another reason, and it's because I'm an arrogant, self-important guy who imagines that other people want my opinions. And I do have opinions about the Civil War. During this series, I especially intend to focus on giving explanations for why many leaders or generals did what they did, or politicians acted in a certain way, or why people came to believe some things. We don't always have clear explanations of their actions, but I believe that everyone should be presented in the most understanding light, whether that is favorable or not, or at least with a reasonable appreciation of their point of view. This especially applies when some people don't have very appealing worldviews or personalities. We should try to remember that good people sometimes do bad things, and seemingly bad men can surprise you. Under pressure, apparently great men may crumble, and quiet men suddenly take bold action. As part of this, wherever possible, I will defend the actions of military commanders and especially give a contrary view to common interpretations. Though true that generals, statesmen, and farmers alike make real mistakes, it is a rare person who generally earns the title of incompetent fool, and that's one of the many threads I hope to tease out and examine as this series progresses. Some of the greatest blunders of the war were actions taken in the heat of conflict, 
with limited information amidst the fog of war with limited time in which to decide or resources to use to decide it. And along the way, we will hopefully examine a few of the less appreciated generals, soldiers, sailors, spies, and ordinary men and women who define the war north and south. Finally, one thing I want to point out is that I am American. So I probably have some biases on the subject of a massive war which nearly split the country forever. At the same time, I do believe it's not quite so simple as to put one side as generic heroes and the other as generic bad guys, if for no other reason than the Civil War was far more complicated than only having two sides. If we can keep this thing going to the very end, then we may have time to explore one simple statement which, perhaps, defines the Civil War. We are all Americans. But if you're not American, that's okay. I appreciate your presence and hope that this series teaches you something or is just interesting enough to listen to. And very specifically, I want anyone and everyone to feel free to share, qualify, add to, or correct me on anything you feel is important. There are so many things that I've had to shorten or leave out, as well as numerous side stories that just didn't make the cut for the sheer reason of time. If there is a particularly good point, I'll try to, to make the time to mention it on the air or to bring that up in a question or answer session. On the subject of sources, I do have a variety of books in my personal library, but most of these are tertiary or secondary sources. Primary Civil War sources are good, but frequently unreliable as you must be very careful about the source's perspective or limited knowledge. Wikipedia is something that I have used more or less as a quick source for dates. Explanations there are usually more or less accurate, but they're not very explanatory and can be misleading. As a source, it is a great place to check births and deaths, very convenient for that, or when a battle occurred, but I don't recommend that anyone rely on it. If you do want one source on the Civil War above all, however, stick with McPherson's Battle Cry of Freedom. You cannot beat it in one volume, and he distills cause and effect down to an incredibly easy to understand and practical text that nonetheless retains the romance of the thing. As a minor practical note, I'll mostly try to stay close to chronological order, but keep in mind that can be a bit tricky due to the way events in military campaigns flow together. Additionally, I will go back and do interesting side stories or add more detail to past topics, and will try to put any such extras into context. In particular, there are a number of biographical episodes that I don't want to drop right into the narrative immediately necessarily, but which are still very good stories. Furthermore, I want to let everyone know ahead of time that I have an agenda, and it partly relates to the biographical materials here. I have a bit of an annoying habit at looking at big ideas, and in the historical community, the two big theories or concepts tend to be great man theory or great ideas, history, on the other hand. The first usually focuses on important leaders, and the second on abstract forces or the great mass of human feeling that changes societies. I cannot argue that either one of those is wrong, but I do need to point out that in the context of the Civil War, they are both very, very right. The Civil War, as I explained above, occurred at a critical time in our national history, and big ideas were certainly on the menu. The political parties as we know them today came into being, while ordinary men by the hundreds and by the thousands made their mark in history by putting their ballots and their bullets where their mouths were. Yet at the same time, this was an intensely personality-driven context, right, conflict, 
You simply can't ignore the critical role of the individual in shaping this part of history. With that out of the way, let's begin the Civil War.